So my last episode featured my youngest guest ever, and now we're rolling into this interview with a man who describes himself as an old-timer, I think being the oldest guest I've had on the show. Welcome to the Just Dumb Enough podcast, a show that acknowledges no one is always an expert by dispelling misconceptions with real experts. I'm your host as always, Colton Petrie. My guest today is Stuart Lichtman. For 50 years now, Stuart has been teaching people to make their unconscious work for them. New research with functional MRIs has shown everything we do originates as an unconscious thought about 10 seconds before we do it. But doesn't consciously thinking about the unconscious make it conscious? Don't think about it too hard just yet. Stuart's going to spell it out for those of us not quite gifted enough to grasp the concept right away. And once you've learned the basics, you can use it to make everything from working out, to learning a language, to losing weight, to finding a parking spot easier. Admittedly, Stuart has a bit of a slower cadence than most of my previous guests, but he's got quite the wisdom to deliver and a resume to back it up. From Margaret Thatcher to owners of NFL teams like the Philadelphia Eagles, Stuart has worked with some of the biggest names to ever grace industries, and has worked with them to lead to remarkable successes. Let's put our big brains to some use. Welcome to the show, Stuart Lichtman. Hi, Colton. Great to be here. Yeah, great to have you on the show. Why don't you introduce yourself and what you do for the audience? Okay. I am an old timer. (laughs) I'm 84 years old. I've been doing what I'm doing now for the past 50 odd years. I teach people to consciously manage their unconscious minds to achieve seemingly impossible things. For the past 10 years, my students have a 100% success rate first try in achieving their first seemingly impossible objective. Now, the key is this. The conscious mind is just a viewer. It doesn't really do anything. Everything comes from the unconscious. There's a tremendous amount of research particularly since they've been using functional MRIs, that shows everything takes place and is initiated in the unconscious. For example, when you decide to get up, they found that about 10 seconds before you think you decide to get up, your muscles and tendons and so on are initiated in action by your unconscious. And then it puts a thought into your conscious mind, time to get up, and you get up. You think you're deciding to get up. You're just saying, okay, before your unconscious proposes. Now, that is a reflection of the fact that the world is an incredibly complex place. Even in the simplest things, when you look from a cybernetic point of view, There are millions of alternatives. And the conscious mind can handle at most five at once. I've never met anybody 
personally who can handle more than three. Let me give you an example. Look at the corner of your room. Okay? You can see length, width, and height concurrently. Now, try to experience that corner of your room as it is now and as it is at midnight concurrently so you can see both at once. That's only four dimensions. Pretty hard, huh? Pretty hard. Yeah. And so people who say, well, just think enough about something and you can do it, usually lead people to failure. I think uh, we've learned enough about that from people who try to go on a diet. Now, with my approach, uh, for example, diet, five years, six ago, years ago, I had decided to lose 100 pounds. I did it in three months without ever feeling hungry, without ever feeling deprived, without doing any exercises, and the, the weight just melted off because my unconscious modulated what I was eating and how I was using it. I teach people to do things like that. And if you think back, or if you have kids uh, learning to read, it takes a kid about four to five years to do all the things learning to read. You have to start out learning that some sounds are associated with people, objects, actions, and so on. And then you have to learn that there are squiggles on paper that are different from other squiggles, and the meaningful squiggles are called letters, and that each letter is associated with a sound. And then you learn of letter squiggles together are words and that the words are actually associated with words you know verbally, and so forth. And now when you look at a book, you just see and know what it says. The reason you can do that is because of a lot of unconscious habit patterns that you form in a rather crude way by repetition, try and error. Putting all these pieces together, you can do things that seem are seemingly impossible. Let me give you an example. I used to travel to the world once a month, working with CEOs and top government officials, teaching my stuff, which I call cybernetic transposition. And a friend of mine in England called me, I was in Santa Barbara, said, you know, it's just in the House of Commons, and Margaret Thatcher is talking about the problems of the British economy and the labor union problems that are getting intense. And I thought, she ought to use Stu's techniques. So she called me and suggested that. I did a little, what I call, psychic negotiation with Margaret Thatcher. She said, send me a letter. I sent her the letter, and a week and a half later, I had a $300,000 contract to train 
250 managers at British Leyland, which used to be the biggest employer in the UK, that was having really major union problems. And using my techniques, in a period of six months, they went from terrible labor problems to labor harmony, but the process involved changing the uh, rank and file, changing the union management. That's what I mean by doing seemingly impossible things. Or finding perfect partners. I use a technique to find my wife, too. We've been married for 17 years, and happily it gets better every day. Make sense? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like a very, very complex thing just to, like, talk to our unconscious, you know, because they always say, like, your unconscious is in control of, you know, 90% of the thoughts and, you know, to, to try and, like, consciously take on some of that workload seems very difficult. But you don't have to take on the workload. It goes this way. Once you set up techniques, one of the things that you do in my technique is build what I call a success team. It's comprised of the subpersonalities, the part of the unconscious that give you your skills and give you your self-defeating habit patterns situationally. So subpersonality is responsible for your greatest successes, and they take your greatest failures you ever had and come up with the inverse. In other words, to create a great failure, you have to know what's a great success. Otherwise, you couldn't create the opposite. Making sense so far? Yeah, is that kind of something that you recommend, like taking a look at what is like true failure? What would be like the worst version of this and then trying to map the opposite of it to help yeah. show people success? Yeah, for example, when I was a kid, my father gave a fellow named Jerry Woolman all of the loving attention and wisdom that I dearly wanted and didn't get. I have Asperger's syndrome. I've had it all my life, which means I couldn't connect with anyone, including my parents. So I tried to emulate Jerry. Now, Jerry was, had a great personality. He connected with people easily. He'd gone from abject poverty to great riches. He built the John Hancock Building in Chicago. He owned the Philadelphia Eagles. And I said, I'm going to do what Jerry did, and I'll get my dad's love. Stupid. Okay. I went into the building business around Washington, D.C., I had four subdivisions under process and a planned city that's now Germantown, Maryland. And um, I was too ignorant to know about things like real estate cycles. You know, every 10 to 20 years it goes from boom to bust to boom to bust. So I got caught in the bust and I went bankrupt. That's a very unhappy experience. I don't recommend it, although an awful lot of entrepreneurs go through it. Now, that could leave me 
and did at that point leave me feeling pretty incompetent, a failure, worthless. I did an early version of cybernetic transposition, and two weeks later, I had a job working for the most prolific inventor in the world at the time, a guy named Jacob Rabinow. Okay, so changing self-defeating unconscious habit patterns to self-supporting ones is part of my process. To accomplish seemingly impossible things, conceptually, is really easy. It's three steps. Step number one is coming up with a target that you want to achieve that is in harmony with your unconscious. The second step is prioritizing the unconscious version of the target because the unconscious is working with millions of things at once and you want this target to get top priority. And third is resolving the unconscious self-defeating habit patterns that would otherwise prevent you from achieving what you want into ones that support you. And when you do this properly, you'll have 100% success rate. Now, I find that, strangely enough, the most difficult thing for people to do in learning to use my techniques is specifying clearly and succinctly what they want to achieve. There are a series of 13 criteria, one of which is you have to state very specifically in a way that's externally measurable what you want to achieve. So let's say you want to make more money. Well, that's neither specific nor is it measurable. It's a moving target, and moving targets will always fail. So you come up with a specific one. You might come up with a written objective that says, on or before X date, I will have done whatever is necessary and appropriate to have generated at least $52,315 as evidenced by deposits in my XYZ checking account. That's an objective that works. Most people have real trouble clearly specifying what they want. Make sense? It makes sense. Is there like a good first thing you usually tell people to do where it's either like identifying these really self-destructive habits or trying to set a specific goal through like a formula? Do you usually start with one or the other? Well, the first thing I do is to get the person in conscious communication with their unconscious mind and applied talking with yourself. And then you ask your unconscious to give you a memory of something that happened today. Try it. What's the first thing that pops into your mind? You don't have to tell me. But, you know, as soon as I say that, something pops into your conscious mind. So you write that down. Then you rate how perfect that was. A 10 is, that's the way I want things to be. Every time in that situation, a 1 is, don't even think about it. If it's less than a 10, you then 
use your tremendous skill that everybody has and denigrate of hindsight to take what actually happened and convert it into an imaginary experience, a daydream of what you would like to have happened in the same situation. Make that a 10. I call that a perfect alternative. When it's perfect for you, write it down. And then you work with your unconscious to come up with the perfect alternative, the manifestation of which will most improve your overall quality of life. Then achieve that by coming up with an experience of what you mean by the major parts of your objective. You can translate your objective from the conscious domain into the unconscious. Life can be easy. Easy is good means you're in alignment. What you consciously want is what you're set up unconsciously to achieve. Yeah, and there's this like, you know, you talked a bit about you know, make this daydream where you can you figure out the perfect 10 to your situation. And at first, you know, I had this thought where I'm like, oh, well, a daydream's well and good. Like it, it's lovely, you know, you get to have whatever the perfect scenario is. But as you started to explain it, you're like, really what you're doing is taking your collection of experiences that you know how to achieve or what they are, and you're assembling them so that your brain looks for that pattern out in the wild. Just like finding your parking spaces, it's like most people are looking for an empty parking space. And you're like, yeah, but if I look for a parking space that just has movement in it, I'll see people leaving or whatever it is that like, you know, drives me to see the thing that most people are not looking for. So you're really like your unconscious mind is just looking for things it has experienced before to try and set you up for success. Is that kind of how this works? Elegant. You want to do some copywriting for me? Absolutely. (laughs) Um, You know, the name is cybernetic transposition. Let me explain that. Cybernetic, when I was at MIT, Norbert Wiener, who invented cybernetics, was a professor there. And I used to see him walking the hall. He was the absent-minded professor, thick glasses. Once a week, regularly, he'd lose his car. But he thought it had been stolen. He called the cops, and he'd just forgotten where it was. Well, prototypical absent-minded professor. He created a field of cybernetics that deals with the complexity of the world. And he wrote a book called The Human Use of Human Beings. And I take that as the underlying meaning of cybernetics. So cybernetics, in my term, is the human use of human beings. Transposition is exactly what you described taking a success in one area of your life and transposing it to another. I learned how to do this in a very strange way. When I went bankrupt as a kid, at 28 years old as a kid, I tried to commit suicide. I was very depressed. And I could get no comfort because I couldn't connect with people. 
and I just wanted to get back to God. I did almost a pretty good job with that. I was clinically dead for eight minutes. Uh, I had a classic near-death experience. I met God. I was given a choice of coming back to complete the karma that I had taken on for this lifetime or staying in that much better place. I woke up. The uh, doctors were somewhat surprised. I'd been clinically dead for eight minutes, which is supposed to create irreversible brain damage. And in fact, PET scans used to show big blobs of black in my brain. Um, out of that, I suddenly felt different. The first work thing I did after that, at MIT, I started working in artificial intelligence. I was one of the first people to ever do that. I, it took me 18 years and to develop the supercomputers. And then I made a big business out of that, going around the world. But right now, think about a life where things are easy. Your life is filled with joy. That's what I'm currently about. Any questions about what I've been talking about? No, I think I think that's an excellent thing to leave people with, too. You know, just give them one more thought that just to try and try and be better here but you know i've appreciated having you on the show i could sit and talk to you i feel like forever so um, but i wanted to give you a point that just says like where can people find your book and this class if they are looking to either buy or take either one amazon amazon is a great place to publish books more and more people are going through the amazon self-publishing way yeah, fantastic. And if people do pick these up, as I always say, leave a review for it because that helps people who did not hear this conversation today to find these books. You know, that helps to spread the message to say like, hey, this is really good information because, you know, there is always an algorithm functioning in the background and no matter how good a book is and no matter how good the message is, if there's no reviews, it's really hard for people to find them. So, you know, you can do your part if you pick up a book like this to just leave a simple good review and help it, help the word get out. Thank you very much for saying that. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you very much for being here today. I appreciate your time. My pleasure indeed. I look forward to seeing you again. This became one of the show's shorter episodes because of the editing that I had to do. Hopefully I was able to clean it up and condense the audio in such a way that you still learned and didn't tune out. But if you're one of those people that enjoys the metaphysical episodes, and you know who you are, you're really going to enjoy the episode next week. On the flip side, there's no meaningful changes in the rankings, so I'm just going to skip the update and wish you all a fun and or relaxing weekend. I'll see you all back here for the episode next week. Until then, please do all those good things for the show, like rating, reviewing, liking, and subscribing. Remember, you can reach out to me at dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com or on any of the social medias. Most importantly, stay dumb. <laughs>